a Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Online. You ready to have a good time? On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Look yeah, at that. There he is. Hey, look. There he is, everybody. He's connecting to audio. He is connecting to audio. Back of the tour bus. Back. Of the- hey, hey, what's up? What's happening? What's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. You, How are you? I never really good. wanted to be at the back of the tour bus with Pierre. I got to tell you. I gotta tell you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello, we, we Pierre. Did. We we've we've met before. Pleasure to meet you again or see you again. Yeah, good to see you. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, well, look, let's let's get right into this. Our next guest is a Canuck icon. Uh, brand new record, harder than it looks, came out on May 6th. You can get that wherever you get your music. Also performing around the, the U.S. and in Canada. Are going to be performing in Trois Rivières at Festivois on July 9th. Uh, OfficialSimpleplan.com for all the info on that. Welcome to the show for the first time, the one, the only Pierre from Simple Plan. There he is. Thank you, Thank you very much. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing great, actually. And yeah. um, I'm going to start off with my story of, of Simple Plan. Uh, back in around 2004, you were at the uh, Verdun Auditorium to see, I believe it was Foo Fighters, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to remember what the show was. And for me at the time, uh, as a reporter, you were the new kids. You were whatever, 15, 16, 17, whatever. And you're standing at the soundboard, and I see you there. And I go, oh, look at that. It's, it's these new kids. Nobody cares. And then yeah. Bob Rock was standing there. And I went, I go, what, what are they doing with Bob Rock? What, what, what is that? And, of course, you end up uh, doing that album and still not getting any. Uh, talk to me just real quick about that because, uh, listen, I was impressed. I was like, what are these? Yeah, son of a what the fuck is Bob, Bob Rock Ro- doing with this Montreal band? Like, <laughs> Yeah, what the hell is that? Uh, but obviously, uh, it paid off. It was great for him. It was great for you. He's an icon. You are now iconic. Um, just quickly talk to me about how you got to be with Metallica, Motley Crue producer Bob yeah, Rock. Yeah, well... After our first album, you know, we got, we did really well on the first album, had a, you know, I think double platinum in the U.S. and platinum in many other countries, and it did super well. And so when you have that sort of success, your record label pretty much tells you for the next record, what's your top five producer list? And uh, Bob Rock was always one of the the guys that we respected a lot, and uh, he made uh, American Hi-Fi. He obviously made all all the big, massive records that we all love. like Metallica, on the crew, as you said, uh, and uh, but he would made the American Hi-Fi record that we loved as much, uh, and uh, I think for us, we just had it, it was always he was at the top of our list. Right. So when, when you've sold a few million records, people pick up the phone, and uh, we were actually <laughs> strangely enough, and this one I kind of regret a little bit. Um, we convinced him to make the record in Montreal because we were so tired of touring. However, in hindsight, he had a, he has a beautiful studio in Maui, I believe, or somewhere in Hawaii, that's Damn. like, you know, amazing. And it would have been a great time to do it there. But we were like, no, we want to be in our hometown. We want to record it at home and be close to our friends and families and girlfriends who we miss so much. Um, so he came to Montreal and actually he agreed to do it there. He stayed up in a hotel, uh, Hotel St. Paul, and uh, we were there for like two months. Um, and it was awesome. One of the best experiences i ever had with a producer. He was so cool. And he really embraced who we were. And he, I think he understands also as a producer, when it's time, like at the time we, I, I'd written these songs with Chuck um, and we had them all demoed out and they were good. They were just good. You know, sometimes you just, you, 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 you step up the bat 
and uh, you make good songs. And he was like, these are great. Like, I don't want to change them. They sound great. Let's just record them. So uh, it was awesome, yeah. and the record sounds great, and it was an awesome experience. Just uh, just qu- one quick follow-up, and then we'll get to the to the new uh, the new album. But, you know, Bob was coming off, as we said, though, those sort of 80s, 90s bands. Was the record company not concerned that, uh-oh, you're going to go down that 80s route, or you're going to go down, you're going to go down that, that sound, and it's dated, and we're new, and we can't um, really have that? They, they didn't express it to us. Um, I think that uh, Bob was always a very respected rock producer. And like I said, he had just also done this record, American Hi-Fi, that had the big hit song that was like, her boyfriend, he don't know anything about. And and it sounded really like current pop punk. So I think they kind of, they didn't worry about it. We didn't, they they did. If they were worried about it, we didn't hear about it. Right. Gotcha. It's interesting because I talked to Chuck about that and working with him and he was like, you know, he really did elevate our performance to another level and we've taken that to every recording session that we've done since. I mean, what did he do for you vocally and performance-wise? Like, did he just take you to the next level for your, like, vocals in the studio? I think he actually, um, he made me not worry about being so perfect, you know, being like in pitch and in time and like he would always make me sing all these takes and at the last one he would say, now give me one where you're just completely wild. Don't worry about anything. Give me 200% energy. Don't give a crap about anything else. And that's usually one that we, that's the one we keep usually. So, so now I know to like be a little more energetic and not be too conservative when I'm tracking and really capture that energy more than anything. Yeah. And now here we are, you know, I mean, 20 years later with a brand new record that came out earlier this month. You can pick it up now wherever you get your music. Uh, how has the band kept it interesting over the years for yourself writing these songs and stuff? I mean, you could easily go out and just play the hits, but you're still making awesome new music. Um, I think it's just a desire. I think we, we've been uh, it, it's sort of like I appreciate the success that we've had. And I really enjoy the fact that we never, in my opinion, blew up massive we never you know got to like the cold play status the you know that kind of like massive stadium band well why do you so, think that is because you guys have had the songs over the years i mean yeah mm-hmm. i don't know yeah i don't know you know it's, a, it's a, the, the, the um, something we can't really explain but what i like about it is that it always keeps us hungry you know we've always feel like there could be more that we could achieve and i think that's a big inspiration for us to keep going and like uh just make more songs and always feel like we've got more to prove and that we've got more to show and that we haven't maybe yet achieved the peak of our career, you know, even though maybe we have, who knows? But I think the fact that we've always kind of like just, we've had incredible success. We've sold 10 million records, but we feel like, oh, it could be a little more, you know? So we, we right. try every time. It could always be a little more. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's the whole point of it, right? It's, it's the exactly. music business. That's life, right? <laughs> it really is. Um, let me let me just get go quickly take you. The second time we met was at the uh, Corona Theater with, and Marie May was there for the Simple Plan Foundation. It was a, an event. Uh, talk to me about the Simple Plan Foundation and why it was important for you to establish that. Why not just go be a rock band, destroy some hotel rooms, just be wild <laughs> and crazy? I mean, yeah. why give back? Well, I think we have to attribute that to uh, having a solid foundation. You know, we've got some great parents. My parents have been super supportive of the band for forever and Chuck's parents as well. And it was actually Chuck's parents' idea when we, you know, we were doing so well, you know, money was coming in and like records were selling. We we're having a great time. And uh, Chuck's parents were like, you know, it might be cool if you guys start a foundation because you're you're so successful that you could easily channel a little bit of that energy towards something to give back. And I think it was, it was also... Um, inspired by you know chuck's dad had to go pick up our mail at our p.o box 
And uh, it was our fan mail. And he'd come back with like garbage bags of like all these letters of fans. And so many of them at the time <clears throat> were struggling with so much, so many issues, you know, like just being teenagers. And at the time, you know, 15 years ago, there wasn't as much uh, focus on anxiety, on depression. It wasn't, it was still a little more taboo, you know, yeah. and these kids, I think, found uh, sort of refuge in our music and they found inspiration in the lyrics. And for our parents and for Chuck's parents to read those letters and like, tell us, we got some letters here, they are, here they are. And he would like kind of go through them. And uh, he was like, man, you guys have really done incredible things with your music, like more than you probably know, more than you've tried to do. Like it just happened to be with certain songs that have connected. And uh, so they pushed us to do that. And it was a great thing because we've we've been we've had the foundation since 2007 or so. Um, and we've raised, I think we have raised and given back over two million dollars um to, the, wow. to various charitable organizations and in, in, in around montreal and canada and, and around the world and it's been really cool because our cost as a foundation is nearly zero michelle uh sorry i just called my wife there uh chuck's parents uh work so hard on it and they don't they don't take any money so almost everything that we that we are able to raise we can give back so it's really really awesome wow so you really do genuinely give it all back yeah exactly not skimming off the no, top. There's no, there's no one with a big salary on there. No one, like, everyone's like pro bono, right. so it's really, really great. Right, and they're doing it now. Their their new video, "Wake Me Up When This Nightmare Is Over." The, the money raised from YouTube is being donated to Ukrainian charities. Uh, yeah. Explain that to me, because that 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 again, not only are you taking care of you know the local community, Montreal and Canada, but now you're you're doing international. I mean, the, the, it's amazing. Yeah, well, I think, well, like everybody else, I'm assuming, um, you know, when we saw the images of Ukraine and what's happening over there, it's, it just seems mind-blowing that this can happen in 2022, you know, and uh, we were very moved by all, all the things that we've seen, and we've been, you know, lucky enough to go over there in the past, and we have friends of ours who are from there, uh, and one the, the, the guy that's been the director for our last two and now three videos uh, on this whole album has been a guy from the Ukraine and this we've had him before this whole thing happened. And, uh, as this whole tragedy unfolded, we thought, Hey, we have a director who's so talented and he's from the Ukraine. He's, he's calling his family and figuring out what's going on. We offered him, we said, Hey, would you want to do something about, about the, you know, about the whole situation down there and we can donate some money. And he was so, so ecstatic. He was like, I, he's like, I didn't want to ask you guys that, but I felt like the song really could fit this, um, sort of uh situation treatment for a video exactly um so yeah it was just a way for us to and it, i think i think you know everybody feels the same you look at what's happening there and you're like how is this possible we just want to do something and fortunately for us and the way that we operate there are some ways that we can help and we just do those you know yeah yeah right uh, Harder Than It Looks came out on May 6th. You could pre, uh, you could get it now wherever you get your music. Simple plan. Also, they're hitting the road. You're back in the in the back of a tour bus now. You're back on the road. Is it weird to be back out there and like doing the thing like after the last two years and stuff? Or what's the vibe like yeah, out on the road? The first three days was weird uh, because, you know, it's interesting. You know, the pandemic forced us to be home for a long time. All of us had kids. So when I was at home, I was like, I was for a moment. I was like the, the the homeschooling dad. I'm the guy that picks up the kids from school. I drop them off. I make the lunches. Yeah, uh, I'm with my wife all the time. I play. I played a lot of golf during the pandemic. Pop up so, Pierre. <laughs> exactly. So so you know when you're in a band, you you, you kind of have to have like a double persona, right? You have you have the guy on stage who's really fun, and and I'm a fun guy, but like you have, you got to step it up 
for the stage. It's kind of like two personalities. Yeah. And when you, when I stepped away from Pierre on stage for so long, uh, the first show, I was like, whoa, where is, is he gone? Like, where, where's Pierre on stage? You know, like now I'm just, I'm just a dad up here. It just feels weird. Right. But after, after <laughs> two shows, rock. it was like, okay, you know, it's like, you know, it's like riding a bike. You never forget it. And uh, now we're back in the swing of things. And actually I have to say, I think we're better than ever. I think our show is better than ever. I think our, you know, every, with every record that we make, the set list can become better and better in quality because you drop all the songs that, that didn't do so well and you're yeah. playing basically the greatest hits, you know? Um, so the show's super fun. Some 41 guys are killing it. We're killing it. The shows are all sold out. Um, and we have some plans to come to Canada. It's not officially announced, but it's happening uh, at the end of the year. And uh, we're going out to Europe. We just announced with some 41 as well. So lots of touring. And it's been, that's been really great. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Uh, before we run out of time, I just want to touch on songwriting really quickly because you talked about yeah. how, you know, you get all this fan mail and, you know, you'd have these average Joes that relate to these lyrics. And, you know, just yesterday we were talking to Pat Monahan from Train and yeah. he was talking about how vulnerability is just so important when you're writing music because you never know what somebody can relate to what you're actually dealing with in your own personal life. Like, do you find it difficult, you know, being that vulnerable and writing about your life or stuff that you've experienced? And it's like, like, how are people even going to relate to this? Yeah, it can be a little uncomfortable sometimes, but I do agree with Pat there because I remember in our first album, we wrote the song Perfect, and we were really concerned that it was so specific and it was so personal. We didn't know if we wanted to put that out there. And it ended up being one of our most successful songs that we've ever had. Yeah. Um, so I think we did realize what you're saying is that when you show, even if you show something very specific, someone else will find a way to put their own lives into it, you know, and to really relate to it. And I think that's what people want. People want I mean, look at movies. Everybody wants raw emotion. That's what, you know, that's what the human experience is all about. Yeah. So if you can put it out there and you can make something that's really, you know, heart-wrenching and real, I think that you have a much better opportunity to connect with people on a deep level. And that's what I have to say, like, why is Simple Plan still here? Why are we still making music 20 years later? It's because we've written songs that have really impacted people in a deep way. We've written songs that, you know, uh, that some people, I believe, would say, I have to go see that band because this song meant so much to me at this part of my life. You know, I, I lost a loved one or I, 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 my relationship with my parents was going to crap or something like that. And those are the songs that have kept us a band and kept us successful uh, for this long. So I think it's great. Right. Just uh, we'll take up on that. Uh, no pads, no helmet, just balls, of course, is celebrating 20 years. Uh, talk to me just real quick about that first album and, you know, here you're a guy that 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 you went to school in Pierrefonds. You you're you're just this kid. You're you're hanging out with Bob Rock later on. Um, but what was that first album like? And going, wow, I'm being played on the beat. This is very yeah. exciting. <laughs> it's so bizarre. You know, I think that um, I look at I, I think about those years and I think about the early beginnings of this band and even before that. Chuck and I've been in a band since we're 13 years old. We're going on 30 years now, um, and. Uh, it's just bizarre because I don't think we realized what was happening. And part of that is because now we're so aware of what's happening, you know, social media, um, you know, you look at the streaming platforms that exist now. Like if you put a song out, you can tell within a week, you can tell every day how it's doing, you know, yeah. you know, when our record came out, we're doing all this stuff. We knew it was going well because once in a while we'd have a label dinner and they'd show us a plaque, you know, and, <laughs> Right. And the checks were coming in and it was like, oh, that's a big check. It must be going well. And people would be saying, by the way, you're number two on this. You're number five on this. You're number one on this. And we're like, wow, that's great. But now, like, 
people that are successful, your Instagram, you're like, bam, bam, bam. It's like, it just, it just shows up. So mm-hmm. to me, those years were so fun because it was, there was still some mystery to it. You know, like you, it was, it was, we didn't really know what was happening, but it was really, really fun. Yeah. Um, and, and of course we were young. I wish I can go back and tell myself like, dude, take every opportunity. You're 23 years old. Don't worry about being overworked. And like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, but it, it was great. It's been an awesome yeah. experience all the way around. And I, I, I wouldn't change any part of it at all. Right. And now you look at your phone, you're like, oh, shit, it's all tanking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, let me, let me yeah. just quickly ask you about this. You've put out four of the tracks already as videos, four singles before the album sort of came out. Um, the album's out now, of course. Talk to me about that marketing angle, because in the old days, my days, it was one single and an album. And now you've sort of said, here, I'm, we're giving you half the album for free. And talk to me about that sort of yeah, strategy. Yeah, uh, we're just trying to like, I, I'm not even sure really what we're doing, but um, I think... <laughs> Neither are I. That's, that's kind of like the way, yeah, kinda like, like the it's kind of like the new way that people <laughs> that people put records out. And I think it's the, the point is to keep people's attention as long as you can, because the attention span is so quick. If you yeah. put a record out a week later, fans are like, when's the next one coming out? It's like, well, geez, I, j- I spent a year and a half making this thing. Yeah. So we wanted to get all the fans excited. And what was really important to us too, because they're not really, they're really like teaser tracks. I think the first official single was wake me up when this nightmare is over. Um, but um, there are ways for us to just tease the album. And uh, right. what was cool also is that we really focused on putting out songs that we knew the fans would love. Like in the past, Sometimes we put out some songs that are a little more out there for Simple Plan, and like people are like, "Whoa, what's this new record?" Now we're like, "You know what? This record is pop punk. It's Simple Plan. It's what you love about us." So here you go. And uh, yeah, but I'm excited about a lot of new songs on it. There's a new song we have um, called "Iconic" on the record that right. I think has a real good shot of being something. Um, so so I'm excited. But but the fans love the record. That's I mean I've heard lots of fans at meet and greets on this tour that have said this is their favorite album. And that's always, you know, what we're trying to do. We're trying to make someone's favorite album, you know? Right. And I think yeah. when you're a band for a long time, it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to beat the first record, not because it's not better, but because people fall in love with you on the first album and they, and it's such an important part of your career. We're just trying to like make a record that people will be like, that, that want to listen to more than the first few, you know? Yeah. And I mean, pop punk is so fucking cool again. I mean, with yep. Machine Gun Kelly and everybody, it's it's cool to be in the genre again, which is awesome. Yeah, it's 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 weird because we've been, you know, uh, talked about as like, you know, we're like the old original pop punks. And I'm like, what? I still feel like the same guy. Like, if I look at yeah. my age. I just I just turned 43. And I'm like, what? How am I 43 years old? I feel like the same guy. I'm yeah, still yeah. up here singing these songs. But yeah, it's cool to be part of the second wave. It makes <laughs> me feel old. But it feels it, it's really great to, you know, because if you love pop punk, you know, it was never dead, but mm. it wasn't really on radio. It wasn't really on, you know, you didn't see the Kardashians walking around with studded belts a few years ago. You know, now yeah. it's like now they're married to Travis Barker and uh, and who knows, you know, it's it's, it's crazy, but yeah. you, you it's know, really uh, fun to be part of the, the wave again. S- Simple Plan is part of a new genre. It's called heritage pop punk. There you go. <laughs> I was just going to say up here, how's it feel to be in a heritage act? <laughs> I love that. I'm, cool. I'm, I'm down with it. I like it. It's Yeah. Uh, is it quickly speaking of heritage uh, rock, uh, you covered Surrender by Cheap Trick for the Fantastic Four. Um, yeah. Cheap Trick, one of my favorite bands. I mean, they're, they're just we just saw them in Laval like, last weekend. They're, they're yeah. awesome. Nice. Never, yeah. never disappoint. Yeah. Uh, was that something that was just sort of thrown on you and say, "Here, boys, cover this for us," or did you pick it? 
and, and just have any appreciation for Cheap Trick? What's what's your uh, relation with Cheap Trick? No, we we picked it. I'm not, I mean, I, I can't say that I know a whole lot about Cheap Trick, but I remember on the first album, one of the, I think, very important things that our first producer, Arnold Lanny, uh, really pushed us to do, uh, because he was the guy that made us make our first album. You know, we'd, we'd right. made songs before in the past, but this is our first, you know, major label album. He was like, you guys have to go and listen to some older stuff. So back then we went to like HMV or we went to wherever we went and we picked up a bunch of records and we grabbed like, you know, the Beach Boys, uh, Elvis Costello, uh, Cheap Trick, uh, Joe Jackson, uh, you know, all kinds of awesome records that we we knew about, like Tom Petty. We, we knew about them, but we weren't really that familiar with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, Cheap Trick was one of them. And we just loved the song Surrender. It was really, really great. And uh, so we thought he... I, I think it was a big influence on Arnold. He was like, "You guys should cover an old song and be cool," you know. So we picked that one, but uh, but it was awesome, so so fun, and it's just uh, I just love all that old stuff. No yeah. offense. Well, listen, I love the old stuff too. I mean, yeah, as do I. Uh, listen, I, I saw my first Kiss show about two months after you were born in 1979. So hey, there you go. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um, man. Jeremy, wrap it yeah. up. Look, I mean, geez, we covered a lot here. Uh, harder than it looks. Uh, you can pick it up now wherever you get your music. Simple Plan, hitting the road. Make sure you visit uh, officialsimpleplan.com to get tour dates, VIP packages, the whole nine yards. Um, man, it was so great to meet you. I've been in uh, major market radio for like 10 years, and I finally got to meet you. This was really cool. <laughs> finally, it's safe for me, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time, and thanks for uh, for having me today. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll get that Montreal date performing at like the arena or something, you know? Yeah, then, we're uh, doing a, we're doing a, 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 we're part of a tour that's coming around, and I can't talk about it yet, but it's uh, it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be big. Awesome, Good. awesome. And last question, a... last question, Mitch. Okay, smoked meat at the main or Schwartz? What you picking? Actually, is it weird? I like Lester's. Lester's, okay. Great. Yeah, what's, it's in. Uh, where's that at? It's like on uh, Rachel or something like that. Yeah, a little For bit sure. more up, a little bit more north. Yeah, yeah, I like Schwartz is amazing. But I just I, I can't do the line. I can't wait in line. <laughs> I've been in a bad, I've been I'm in simple plan. I don't do lines. I yeah, don't do I, lines. Exactly. I don't stand in line. <laughs> I need a VIP pass or something. But it's I mean they're all great. It's that's one thing. Whenever I go back home, I'm always having I'm always having Montreal smoke meat for sure. Yeah, and bagels. Be, yeah, you got to stop at the Montreal pool room and uh, Saint Vader. I mean, come on. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> An all new episode of the Mitchell Fine and Jeremy White Show Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews, bonus content, and episodes on demand now. Visit youtube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch LaFon and at Jeremy White MTL.